Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soini Koch. There's a lot happening in the world of logistics. And if you've been paying attention, there was this little event like Amazon purchasing Whole Foods a few weeks ago. And disruption is one of our favorite topics here on CEO Exclusive. So today's guests, John Haber and Paul DeRigo of Spend Management Experts, who are experts in logistics, are going to tell us a little bit about what they think of all these trends. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. So we've talked about a lot of different disruptive trends on CEO Exclusive over the past few months. We've talked about... um, robotics and AI and how are these trends affecting your customers in logistics? You know, give us a kind of your 30,000 foot view of of this disruption and then tell us how you think that that'll affect some of the CEOs who are listening, who are typically more mid-market than maybe some of your customers. John, you want to take that one? Sure. Go for it. I think what's happening in the world of logistics is it's really being shaped by changing customer expectations, which in turn has a domino effect on businesses. And the changing customer expectations is they want shipping for free and they want it faster and Uh faster. There's no such thing as free shipping as much as people like to think that shipping can be free it's not and with the with the rollout of same day delivery and uh you know 2 hour delivery times all amazon right all amazon driven amazon's really changing the paradigm and changing customer expectations which is having a domino effect on companies of all sizes especially companies in the middle market where they don't have the capital to build distribution and fulfillment centers, you know, 15 miles from the customer in every state. Smaller businesses don't have the capital that Amazon does. And in turn, they're really being challenged to meet the expectations of the customer. And that's really causing a disruption uh, in the overall marketplace not just for retailers, but for companies that are selling any type of product, whether it's direct-to-consumer, whether it's B2B, whether it's wholesale distribution, you know, whether it's uh, omni-channel distribution. The, the, the challenge of Amazon to the middle market is really having a drastic impact on business and especially brick-and-mortar business. Give us an example of if you have one of a company that may be either disrupted or be facing the threat of disruption from some of the these trends? Any e-commerce retailer is being disrupted by these trends. And you have a lot of startups where if you're an e-commerce retailer and you're selling a product, shipping is going to be a very large percentage of your overall cost. It may be the single largest component of your cost. Mm. And as the it's it costs more to get goods there faster and if you have to subsidize the shipping cost then uh any e-commerce retailer is being impacted even the largest 
e-commerce retailers are being impacted. If you look at Walmart, they're playing catch-up to Amazon right now. They're making all kinds of acquisitions. They're changing their delivery methods. They're changing their commitments to the customers. They're offering uh, two-day shipping for a fee of 35 bucks a year, whereas Amazon was uh, was you know about fifty percent more than that. Amazon's had to lower their price to meet uh, the Walmart new price, and so people are going after that market, especially the e-com market, because that's where the growth is. E-com is growing much faster than brick and mortar retail. Hmm. And Paul, how do smaller companies either create an experience or innovate in a way to help mitigate this trend? Or this, the, the threat of being disrupted by, you know, much larger organization. I think you see the value of a high quality brand. You know, there's, you're not going to compete on price or uh, directly with someone like an Amazon or a Walmart. But you do have, if they have a high quality product and it has a very strong following and they could possibly get the customers to accept a slightly longer delivery time then uh, they can still compete. But, you know, you come, uh, you look at how Jet uh, sold out to Walmart. Now, you might call that a success as well, but you can also see where... What's Jet or what was Jet.com. Okay. That was started by the former founder of diapers.com, and uh, he sold to Amazon. Uh, But you could see, when you look at it from the perspective of John and I, you could see Jet, uh, they had several fulfillment centers, but they likely came to a realization that they just weren't going to compete on these everyday products uh, with that footprint of, of fulfillment centers. And so inevitably, they had to sell, uh, but also join up with a, a big player like Walmart who brings all those resources and stuff. So again, you see, if you're selling products that are exactly what Walmart or Amazon are selling, it's, it's going to be hard to compete logistically. I do see an opportunity for brick for companies like specifically manufacturers who have a premium product and they have a strong following and so they can still draw in uh, an opportunity to make a direct sale. Mm. And how are people using or not using technology cuz you know you're you know IT to facilitate either building that brand or or mitigating some of the the threats? Well, it's uh they build their brand, you know, now a brand can reach a global audience and they can expose their product. You know, maybe decades past, it was a regional thing and then they're definitely trying to get into those national retailers and they're trying to get those national retailers to carry their product and then those national retailers have leverage over them and then they make them sell it at a lower price. Now brands and with e-commerce, they have the ability to sell directly to consumers and at the price that they deem is the, is the value of the product. So uh, now that they can use the internet, they can sell direct to the customer, they can handle the advertising across the web, they can do all these things, reach directly to their customers. There is an opportunity there for, for mid-market companies where they're not going to have to rely on, every, they can build their brand without getting into Walmart stores without getting into a national chain. Mm-hmm. Are there any other technologies that you think are particularly disruptive that you want to bring to the attention of our, of our listeners? Well, you know, with our, with our uh, 
knowledge and focus on the logistics industry, something that we're having to constantly monitor is blockchain. And uh, everyone's going to hear about blockchain, likely think about bitcoins. So we can draw an analogy of the, the, what was so amazing about bitcoins is that a bitcoin does not require a government to back a currency. A bitcoin does not require a bank. So you can do so then that's what enables what's called a peer-to-peer -peer transaction. So I can buy something from someone. So Bitcoin is just kind of made up internet money, right? Correct, correct. And blockchain is kind of the technology behind it. So they, they are two separate things. So that blockchain technology can be applied to other things. And so if we look at, again, at a Bitcoin transaction, I can buy something from someone. I don't need to involve the United States Treasury for the cash to back the currency. I don't need to involve my bank. I don't need to involve his bank. I don't need to involve Visa, MasterCard, or American Express. So that inherently makes this a much lower cost transaction. In our industry of logistics, there is a lot of middlemen and intermediaries who facilitate logistics. When we look at, uh, when we're looking for a client or an intermodal transportation, they're, they're going from the ocean. Then they need drayage to the rail, and then it needs to go from rail. Drayage is taking, uh, the, taking the thing from the, the boat to the, the Taking train. the container, putting it on a truck, handling that middle move, uh, and then you, it goes on the train, and then again, it has to get on a truck, and then it has to get taken to a, a warehouse, and then maybe there's a, another uh, a contractor who unloads it. And so there is a lot of middlemen and intermediaries in the logistics industry. And so we see how blockchain, not immediately, but eventually could start to eliminate some of these middlemen. So let me back you up for a second. Can you give the Sesame Street version of what blockchain is? So the best I can describe it, when I try to describe it to someone, uh, is it's a shared ledger. It's a ledger just, just out there in the world and anybody can look at it, like the most open books possible. And so now that might sound uh, risky and anybody can read or write to this ledger. So it sounds kind of crazy when you first hear that. And so, but then... So ledger being, I bought this container of this, this container of that, this container of whatever, mm -hmm. and here's how much, it co how much A cost, B cost, and C cost, mm -hmm. right? Like that kind of a ledger? Correct. And then now, if we're saying that the container is the entity that's being tracked, you would be able to look at the blockchain of that container and know everybody who's ever owned it, everywhere it ever went, everything it ever did. And so that's where you get chain from. Now, the important thing is that the shared ledger, there's copies of it stored by every interested party. And so the, the, if we go again to the Bitcoin, there's many, many, many copies of this registry. So one person can't fiddle with it, you know, in its essence, cook the books. One person can't do something to this ledger and rip anyone off or anything because it has to be it has to be a trusted source they have to be able to have the authorization and it has to be then confirmed by all the other parties so so if there are like a thousand copies or ten thousand copies of this ledger there's some way to compare all the different copies and then if there's one copy that doesn't match everybody knows that that's a bad copy correct correct and so that 
And so you think about, okay, that's great. But you think about how we rely on trusted intermediaries to do this. So uh, we might rely on an auditing firm, you know, one of the big four or something like that, to audit a company's books. And we rely, we have to use them. We have to pay them to audit the books because we need someone else to look at it. And then we also have to trust them. Uh, in a in a real estate transaction, we need someone to be the escrow, and they confirm that the party who says they own the property and is selling it, they actually own it, and then they confirm that the funds that the buyer is. So you, you have these intermediaries in all these situations, and again, when we see it in logistics, you have intermediaries who you have to pay to maybe handle clearance into a foreign country who you have to pay to move the freight to a trucking company off of the rail because you don't know the trucking companies. You can't find them. You don't know the ones to trust. And so you need them to facilitate this, put it into the trucking company system and do that. So these are things that we see that blockchain could help with. Now, it's not there yet, but we could see that and then our job is to optimize the transportation of our clients, save them money on their logistics. We see in the future that methods of transportation will be enabled by blockchain that will reduce the number of parties. Now, a lot of those parties are probably kind of middle market companies that facilitate these mm-hmm. transactions. And so it's going to be very disruptive to uh, them. A little disruption alert here. Yeah. So in the abstract, mm-hmm. kind of the way that Blockbuster went out of business. Are you saying that block that blockchain could disintermediate like every escrow company or every company that's doing one of these intermediary transactions? Yes, uh, you know you like to say any sort of middleman. You know it because it it's it enables peer to peer. So peer to peer means no middleman. So anything that you could look at it and see them as some sort of middleman is where blockchain could be very disruptive. It, <clears throat> anytime you involve a, a middleman or middlewoman, and when you put another entrant into a transaction, it makes the cost go up. In many cases, the middle person is providing a valuable service as part as part of being the middle person. However, that's it's creating rather than facilitating a direct transaction, it increases the cost. It increases the time to do the transaction. In addition, there's not a lot of transparency into what person A is paying for that transaction and what person B is paying for that transaction. You know, there may be 20% margin that the middle person's making on transaction A because the person that's negotiating with that person's not that educated. Whereas on the second purchase, the person is very educated and there may only be 10% margin. And so it's making things more and more uh, efficient by going directly to the source, having visibility into what other people in the marketplace are paying for those types of transactions. Okay, so you said any middleman, and maybe I'm just like, the circle's not going all the way around. So what about like investment bankers? What about stockbrokers? What about like real estate agents? I mean, could this technology, like anybody where somebody is in the middle trying to pass money from one person 
through this broker to another person. Are you saying that all those kinds of transactions could potentially be fair, fair game through blockchain? Yes. Uh, you, you see, there's there's initiatives. Uh, there's like JP Morgan and uh, Fidelity and some other parties are working with the New York Stock Exchange on a, a trial or experimenting with a blockchain situation. And that's to make great, uh, more direct transactions between their very large financial entities. And so, uh, and that would, it, there was likely many parties who are involved, maybe brokers at JP Morgan and they, oversee the trades on the New York Stock Exchange, or at least they put in the logic into a computer to execute the trade or anything like that. So it's going to be much more direct where they're using a shared ledger and then that handles the transaction versus some sort of translation or integration where it's going from one company's system into the other company's system. And so... Hmm. I, I guess all of the other functions that these brokers brokers of any kind do like you know the marketing and the actual yeah. finding of the the two parties and putting the parties together that won't go away yeah, think it. about a good example is what uh, uber is doing in the freight market they've essentially created an app where they can post you can go in and post i have a, a goods that need, need to be moved from point a to point b it gets posted on a board and people can go out and, and bid directly on that transaction. They're not going to different brokers to move that transaction. Oh, and it's, by the way, because that vehicle doesn't have a driver in it, yeah. right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's going to cut the cost like, you know, down to like, you know, 20% of what it, it would have otherwise been, right? Yeah. If you have an autonomous vehicle that's moving those goods, then you're getting even more efficient. And I mean, it, obviously what we're talking about is eliminating the middle people, which impacts jobs. And so that makes everybody nervous that, okay, autonomous vehicles, you're going to eliminate all the drivers. What are those drivers going to do? Well, as... Uh, well, as, yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Maybe you should be doing the interview. What are they going to do, John? <laughs> like, no, seriously, what are they going to do? They're going to have to reinvent themselves. I mean, you're going to need drivers. You're going to need... Uh, autonomous vehicles can't do everything. Robots can't do everything. And so the, the, the fear that uh, the human element is going to be eliminated, it's not, that's not going to happen. What's going to happen is the responsibilities are going to change and the workforce is going to have to adapt. What you see right now is uh, uh, brick and mortar retail stores are closing. What's happening to the workforce is that as those stores are clo closing, well, Amazon's hiring 50,000 workers for their warehouses. And so some of the people that historically worked during peak season in a retail store, the job's going to be in the warehouse. And so you're going to have to be able to perform a different function. Drivers are going to have to be able to perform different functions. Maybe they're going to be spotting trucks. Maybe they're going to be moving trucks around the yard in a distribution center. So it's going to cause uh, jobs to shift, similar to what's happening in the coal industry. Water as as coal plants are closing they're down. They're not shifting. They're they're kind of like I don't want to shift. <laughs> yeah, I want to still mine coal. Yeah, that's not going so well. Yeah, unfortunately, as as, as uh, industry changes, uh, the workforce has to adapt, 
And uh, we've had a lack of uh, productivity improvement in the U.S. over the last 20 years. And we're not going to get back to the levels of growth that we like to see until we have better productivity numbers. These technologies improve productivity, which enable growth. Yes, jobs are impacted, but people need to reinvent themselves. They need to learn new skills or they're not going to have jobs. Mm. So we've talked a lot about the the threat side, right? The blockchain could uh, disintermediate a lot of brokers and people that are middlemen. What do you see as opportunities for middle market companies, um, which I know is the one of the places from which my my CEO listeners are, are going to be listening from? What 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 opportunities does this present in your mind? On the blockchain side, I see. Uh, again, that that it's peer-to-peer that enables that. The opportunity is that they can reach the customer directly and they don't have to be part of a trusted network. They don't have to have uh, an authorized reseller agreement or anything like that. They could be providing a service and they can go, they could be a transportation company and there could be some sort of blockchain shared ledger of, uh, shipments that need to be moved. And instead of having relationships with freight forwarders or being part of some sort of broker's bidding board, like with the Uber Freight, they could actually directly see what is available out there, not have to go through any sort of marketplace, can do the transaction directly with the shipper, and then hopefully increase their profit margin because they don't, they didn't have to pay a broker. They didn't have to pay some sort of intermediary. And so I see a great opportunity for that, where, again, this is maybe talking about companies that I wouldn't classify as a middleman, but as some sort of service provider or some sort of seller of a good. But it, I think it's a great opportunity for them to, to get directly to their customers. Yeah, where, where we see these technologies helping the middle market is their reach, the, the reach of the customer that they can touch and how fast they can touch them as well as we think it can provide more transparency into the price they should be paying. So it increases Mm. the universe of customers they can reach, how fast they can reach them, and it should lower the cost in which they can reach those customers, which is a great thing for the middle market. Yes, awesome. And how are you advising your clients in the midst of all this disruption, what are you counseling them to do? And you know, how do you see all of this rolling out, let's say, over the next 12 months? Well, really, the, the three areas where we help our clients within the supply chain is in transportation, distribution, and fulfillment. And if you think about, uh, if you think about those three key areas, that's where companies are spending a tremendous amount of money within their supply chain and getting goods into their facilities, distributing goods to their customers, and looking at how how fast they're getting goods, how fast they're manufacturing them, how fast they're turning them around, the modes of transportation they're shipping to their customers, where they're locating distribution centers. And so we're we're looking at a holistic view uh, point 
of our customers and saying, you're bringing in goods from Asia. What ports are you bringing those into? How are you bringing those in? Are you bringing in those air? Are you bringing in air freight? Are you bringing those in ocean freight? How close is your distribution center to the port you're bringing it into? A good example is we've got a customer based here in Norcross. They're importing goods from Asia, which is where the manufacturing is. They're bringing them into the port of Los Angeles. From there, they're trucking it or railing it across the U.S. into uh, the distribution center. They're breaking the goods down. They're preparing them for distribution. And in turn, they're sending them back out to their customer. As we examine the customer base, we notice that their largest customer is in California. So they're shipping the goods across the country to a distribution center and in turn breaking them down and sending them back to California. So if you can eliminate the cost of moving the goods from California to Georgia and just take them straight to the customer, you can reduce a tremendous amount of cost. And so the solutions that we're providing to our customers are providing them visibility into how you manage your supply chain, how you manage your network, how do you reduce cost and improve service to the customer? How do you improve visibility to the customer uh, and do it more efficiently? Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what we're doing for our customers. And it sounds like you're able to now figure out how to integrate some of these technologies, you know, the automated cars, the blockchain, the artificial intelligence, figuring out where those fit into the distribution cycle, um, how they can change freight to then drive costs down even further. Yeah, and the, and the great challenge is the, for us, <clears throat> it all starts with visibility. Even the largest companies don't have good data. Mm. They have disparate systems where you don't have information from the manufacturing facility and the flow of information that goes with that product all the way through the supply chain. You can see it coming in from Asia. You can track it. You can trace it. You know where it is at any point in time so you can update your customer. Enabling customers to get good data feeds, which is being developed by the technology that we're talking about, that's a huge first step uh, in the process. Without the data, it's very impossible. It's very difficult for companies to optimize their networks. You wouldn't believe the number of companies that we go into global brands. They have no idea what they're spending in on on distribution, transportation, uh, fulfillment on a global basis. The world. A lot of these companies operate in silos. They know what the spend is in North America. They have no idea what the European spend is. Mm, great. So what are some of the new and exciting things that are happening at, at spend management experts that you think our CEOs should know? Well, I think that what's happening at spend management experts uh, that, is, that your, your CEO should know is that uh, there are, they're not alone. There are, there are ways that you can improve your business. There are solutions that are out there that allow you to compete more effectively in the marketplace. As we, we talked about earlier, Amazon is driving the issue of the, of the expedited shipping, the demands on free shipping. For those executives that don't think they compete in that marketplace, you can. 
You just need to know what options are available. There's a lot of different providers. There's a lot of different solutions. There's a lot of different service levels that are available out there that we're educating the the middle market on so they can compete more effectively with the big players. Listeners, we've been talking to spend management experts about all kinds of disruptions and very interesting trends that are happening in logistics. Thank you so much for being on the show, gentlemen. Thank you. If people want to get in touch with you to hear more about anything that you've discussed today, how can they do that? They can reach us at www.spendmgmt.com. Wonderful. Listeners, you're listening to CEO Exclusive Radio. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. I hope you have a prosperous, productive, and very profitable week. Thanks. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.